Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Good morning, beautiful people. Marie Alessi here. Today, I was really looking forward to doing this meaningful mindset because it is a real thing, the widow brain. And uh, I actually did a little bit of research to give you more scientific facts rather than just my personal experience. But as always, I will be sharing my personal background on it and what I actually think of that uh, phenomenon, if you want to call it like that. So from the backgrounds that I researched a little, um, you know, they refer the widow brain as the, the fogginess and the disconnect that happens shortly after your spouse passed. And it is a coping mechanism of the brain. It is a true thing. It usually lasts for about six or 12 months, but it doesn't happen to everyone. And also in some cases it lasts longer. Here is my spiel on it. And here is why I said embrace your widow brain. Because it does exactly what it is supposed to do. It protects you. It keeps you safe. Yes, it does numb the pain. And it is so important to do that. Because this pain from losing your spouse is often so unexpected. Even for those who who know or who have been given a certain timeline of their partner before he or she passed, there is still this shock when it actually happens. Nobody really prepares you for that. Even if you think you might be prepared for what's to come, even if you might have had the chance to talk about it, to talk about what's to come, it still hits you like a shock. And for that, for your brain to actually cope with you going through that shock, it needs to have that disconnect. It needs that numbness to help you cope with that vehemence of the pain that hits you. So I had this epiphany a few days ago where we talked about this and I've been talking about the widow brain with quite a lot of widows in our group Loving Life After Loss and we discussed it and how it affects everyone. And I have actually learned to embrace it, to be grateful for it because it keeps you safe, it keeps you protected, it keeps you coping with something that is so much bigger than you, something that is so much bigger than anything you usually have ever dealt with in your life. So for me, I thought if we learn to embrace it and to really hug this phenomenon of a widow brain and be grateful to be kept safe, we might be able to allow some joy into that phase, if that makes sense, because this is what loving life is all about, to learn to love life after loss. And um, while I was doing my little research about the widow brain, I discovered something that I had never heard before, so I want to share it here, because so many people talk about uh, the five, seven, nine stages of grief, uh, originally written by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she is so well known in the space of grief, but has always been misinterpreted with those stages of grief because they were originally written by her for terminally ill people, not 
for actual grief after your loved one's passing. It was in the preparation to it. And it makes so much sense when you think about it, the bargaining, the denial, you know, all these things make so much sense uh, in the preparation of knowing that you will lose somebody. However, I don't want to waste too much time on something that has been interpreted. I want to share something else that I had discovered in my little research. And they were called the three stages um, of widowhood. I actually did, uh, put a little note to my side so I wouldn't forget um, in, in what order they came. So the first stage of the widowhood is called moving out of the numbness. And I can very much relate to that because um, shortly after Rob passed, I felt that I went into something that I call functioning mode. So this is the, you know, the disconnect, the, the numbness and the literally just functioning, doing the day-to-day -day tasks, doing the absolute bare minimum of what needed to happen, but do that diligently, like really follow those uh, tick lists. I had so many to-do lists and tick lists that I worked through and my brain was coping quite well with that because I just had to function and I put the just on a huge quotation marks because functioning at that stage is definitely not really aligned with the word just. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of um, dedication that you really truly need to find within yourself and I, I did find that in wanting to be there for my boys, wanting to wanting to function for them. It was a very um, a deep choice that I made to be there and to function for them and I wanted to go beyond that I wanted to create a really happy life for them I had no idea how to in those early stages but every step of my way become uh, had become a very easy uh, yes or no decision is that going to make us happier or not and that's how simple I kept it because that's what helped me. That's what helped me in my functioning stage. Is that going to make us happier? Yes or no? So I didn't have to think this through. I didn't have to go into analyzing because it was really um, challenging for me. That's probably the best word. It was really challenging to use my brain for more than was really expected of myself of what I wanted to do what I needed to do the task that had to be done and as we all know after your loved one's passing there is so much paperwork there are so many tick lists so many things to do so I really wanted to preserve my energies for what needed to be done and to be there for my boys, if that makes sense. So the, the first stage that moving out of the numbness, I can very much relate to that. And uh, no, sorry, I messed it up. Let me go back, rewind. The first stage was absorb the shock. There's probably a reason why I wanted to skip that first stage because that's what you do. You absorb the shock, you know, because there's really uh, no way of preventing that. So it, it literally, those news just hit you like a rock usually. So it's the absorb the shock. The second stage is to move out of the numbness. And the third stage is emerge as something new. And that to me is one of the most beautiful gifts that we receive. I often talk about the hidden gifts in adversity. And it is a gift to be given the opportunity to emerge as something new. It is in your decision and there are so many choices to be made of how you want to emerge after an adversity and who you want to be in this new you 
There are choices to be made. There are opportunities that are hidden in this agenda. And I truly love that because not many people that I work with ever thought about that beforehand. They never thought about the chance and the choices that come with the adversity. And it is fair enough because there is enough to deal with and there is enough to work through the absorbing the shock and the moving out of numbness that takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of time and dedication and love self-love self-care choosing the right support network you know these are the things that I often talk about in my movement anyway so when it comes to emerging as somebody new here is a chance for you to create something and someone who you want to be, how you want to come out of this. And Loving Life After Loss is a movement that offers enough space for everyone to define that, to help you find that. And for those of you who feel like, I want that too, you've got two options right now. You can reach out to me and we can have a chat or you can put your name on the wait list for our next retreat because this is where the magic happens. I'm sending you so much love. Please feel free to share this video with anybody who needs to hear this. Please feel free to invite people into loving love after loss. And of course, feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more updates. Have a fantastic day and an awesome week ahead. This is Marie. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about Loving Life After Loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.